Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. So uh, I want to share with you this evening from Colossians chapter 2. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer that, um, and I, I tell the guys that our ministry training program, you know, we're learning to preach and so on. Whenever you preach, you're not just giving people a message, you're also giving them a method. Implicit in the message that you give is the method by which you arrive at that message. Okay, And one of our biggest uh, responsibilities uh, as church leaders and pastors is to uh, make sure that everyone moves from being fed by others to being self-fed. To a place where you can interpret scripture for yourself. Read scripture for yourself. Understand scripture for yourself. So today we're going to focus a little bit more on... um, not just the message, but, but actually just sort of, in a sense, doing Bible study together. Okay, so I want you to make sure that uh, you have, um, you know, one or two people around you. So, so get, get together in groups of two or three. So throughout, we're going to just discuss a little bit um, here and there. So let me start by reading the passage in Colossians 2. And I'm reading from the... Oh, hang on. There we go. I'm reading from the ESV. If you want to follow, uh, I have a, a reading Bible and a study Bible. My reading Bible is more of a sort of interpretive Bible. I use the NIV. It reads nicely. Um, but it's a bit more interpretive. It's a bit more thought for thought. Whereas the ESV is a bit more word for word translation. So when you use a study Bible, you want more word for word literal translation like the ESV or something like that. And... Um, let me just read the passage for you, and then we'll, we'll sort of break it up into portions and, um, and look at it. So, Colossians 2, from verse 6 to verse 10. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of, de- the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you ha- have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Lord, we thank You for Your Word, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that as we discuss it and look at it this evening, that You will teach us from Your Word, and that You will feed us through Your Word, in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I always like to do when I read a portion of Scripture, one of the first things I like to do is I like to break it up into sections that sort of relate to each other. And if you look at this passage, you'll see it quite nicely breaks up into um, about three, sorry, three sections. So the first over here, section one, uh, is about what the gospel is. The second, verse eight over here, uh, is what the gospel is not. Or, in a sense, you can say where the gospel comes from. Uh, Can you guys see that? Can we maybe kill the lights so we can see see more clearly? And then uh, the last two verses, verse 9 and and 10, uh, the third section over there, uh, is what the gospel does. Okay? So we're first just going to take the first section, verse 6 and 7. I like breaking up... uh, the, the passage up in phrases like this, and then I look at what does each phrase mean, and how do those the phrases relate to one another? 
And, and that's the simplest way to do, to, to do Bible study. When you're doing Bible study, it's not something fancy. All you're doing is you're reading with comprehension. You know, all those lack of comprehension tests that you did in school. <laughs> some of you loved it. Some of you hated it. Well, that was actually teaching you just to read with, um, with comprehension, just to understand what you're reading. And that's, that's pretty much what you do when you, when you study the Bible. So quickly uh, turn to one another in groups of two or three and discuss those two verses. What do you see? And we, remember, we're talking about um, living the gospel, okay? Talking about living the gospel. So talk about what, what you see about the gospel in those verses, just for two minutes. And then I'll share with you. Okay. So uh, some of you would have discussed this in small group uh, during the week, so you already maybe have a few ideas. Um, I, I'm not going to ask for feedback because uh, if I had to get feedback from all of you, it would take a bit longer than I'd want to. I want to try and finish in about 30 or 35 minutes. But um, you see it starts there with therefore now. You probably know the saying, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you must find out what it's there for. Okay? So that means you must look at what precedes this, this passage. I'm not going to do that. You can do that at home. Okay? It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And what I want you to notice there is, as you received past tense, uh, Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk, present tense, in him. And literally what it says, as you have received, as you have already received, it's a, it's a perfect uh, participle used there. And it's, it's, com- it's something that's completed, completed action. You've already received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continually walk in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? How did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? How did we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By grace through faith, yes. Let me, let me maybe give you another bit of information that will um, sort of narrow down what I'm asking. Uh, the word that he uses there, um, you'll see later on it talks about human tradition. Uh, and, and the idea of tradition is important in this passage because uh, when he says received, um, the word that he used could be translated or should probably be translated received as receive the tradition of Christ Jesus, the Lord. Okay? So it's a word called paralambano, which, which is a bit of a technical term for receiving tradition. Okay? And later on, he talks about paradidomi, about human tradition that is given. Okay? So what is the tradition by which we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? Come on. It's not a trick question. The gospel, yes, the gospel. The gospel is the tradition by which we receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Okay, now that's important. Um, I, I didn't have the opportunity to share it last week, I think, but um, I shared it uh, the morning in, in Randburg. In, in Galatians 3, verse 8, Paul says, And the scripture preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations will be blessed. And you look at that, that's a quote from. Genesis 12, verse 3. And the word gospel is nowhere to be found there. But Paul learned to see the gospel in Scripture, even when the word gospel wasn't explicitly used. And that's what we're doing here. We're learning to see the gospel. Thank you, Philip. <laughs> even when the word gospel is not explicitly used. How did, what, by what tradition did we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? The gospel tradition. Right? But, but here's the, 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 the thing that's, that's, that's quite astounding. He says, as. So he's doing a comparison here. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. So in the same way that you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, 
through the gospel, so continue to walk in him. What is Paul saying? He's saying the gospel is the way in and the gospel is the way on. The way in is the way on. Okay, so why I'm saying that is because so often we as Christians think the gospel is the way I enter the kingdom, but then I have to look at other stuff to go on in the kingdom. I, look at, I have to look at, at, at biblical or Christian principles or, you know, whatever else. Good behavior. And what Paul is saying is, and in fact, the, this, this letter he writes to the Colossian church, he's writing exactly because of that problem. They came in through the gospel, but now they were listening to some Jewish, you know, mystic Jewish sort of Christian uh, teachers, false teachers, who were saying to them, okay, the gospel is all good and well to get you into the kingdom, but now when you want to go on, you must follow Jewish laws and customs and you know, festivals and all kinds of uh, stuff. And Paul is saying, no, no. The way in is the way on. The gospel doesn't, isn't just the way to life, it's the way of life in the kingdom. And this is something that I only discovered probably in the last five to seven years. I always thought that the gospel was for non-believers in order to bring them to faith, for justification. But the gospel has nothing to do with sanctification. Now it's growth in Christ-likeness. We, we sung so beautifully, we want to become more like Jesus. Well, how do you become more like Jesus? The Pharisees say, by trying harder. Paul says, by trusting more in the gospel. The same gospel and the same grace by which you entered the kingdom... And, and by which Jesus saved you initially, is the same gospel and the same grace by which Jesus continues to save you. Some of you are like, hmm, I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> okay. Fortunately, he says the same thing a few times there, so eventually he'll wear you down with, with, his, with his word. <laughs> what is the problem, according to that first verse, verse 6, what is the problem that the gospel solves? I, it's, it's implied, so it's a little hidden. Once you see it, it's obvious, but can anyone tell me, what is the problem that Paul mentions that the gospel solves? He, he mentions the solution, but if you look at what, you find out what the solution is, then you know what the problem was. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How, let me ask you this. How did you relate to Christ Jesus before you received him as Lord? Not in the right way, obviously. <laughs> Not as Lord. Okay? So, so what is the problem that the gospel solves according to this formulation of the gospel? Separation sin. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. That's the right answer. But according to this, those verses, what is the problem it solves? Good point. It's something, the gospel is something you receive. In other words, that, that implies the grace of the gospel. So it's not something you earn or work for, in a sense, yeah? There we go. Did you hear that? He's, Cornell says, under whose lordship are you? In other words, before you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, as Lord, who was Lord of your life? Someone else. Probably you. <laughs> right? In other words... What, what, what Paul is saying here, that one of the big 
or the big problem that the gospel solves is the fact that we're under the wrong rule. We're under the wrong lordship. We're under the wrong rulership. We rule our own lives. The bad news, it's bad news when we rule our own lives. It's good news. That's, that's what gospel means. The gospel is the good news that Jesus is willing to come and sit on the throne of our lives and rule our lives. Um, in other words, the gospel, the good news, is all about the fact that you can, and through faith in Christ Jesus and the gospel, you have come under new management. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm under new management. I just want to read you a a quote by a guy called James Dunn. And he says, Receiving the tradition of Christ Jesus as Lord was thus one of the most effective summaries of the gospel as it had been understood from the beginning and had been preached particularly in the Pauline mission. Since the basic sense of kurios, which is the Greek word for Lord, uh, translated Lord here, is that of superior to inferior, like for instance, master to slave, or king to subject, or God to worshipper, with formally acknowledged rights of the former to command and dispose of the latter, all would have recognized that acceptance of Christ Jesus as Lord included within it submission of the believer to this Christ, an unconditional readiness to act in obedience to him. Jesus comes to save us by ruling over us. Because that's our problem. Our problem is that we rule ourselves or we're ruled by the world or the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And Jesus comes and saves us by ruling over us. I mean, there's this this branch in Christianity and you, you know you almost wonder can you call it christianity still where it says you can receive jesus as savior without receiving him as lord <laughs> i mean that just doesn't make sense if salvation is jesus coming to rule over us because that's what we need in our lives we need someone to come and rule our lives so the gospel changes us from it moves us from being under our own tyrannous rule to being under Jesus' benevolent dictatorship. He comes to save us by ruling over us. Let me just go back to the previous um, verse. Then, he, then he, uh, he says, As you receive Christ Jesus Lord, so walk in him. And the metaphor walking um, means a way of life. It's a, it's a very Jewish thing uh, to talk about. In other words, Doing the same things over and over, left, right, you know. Um, one of the ways you can think about it is, you know, the order of the Christian walk is, um, how did you receive Christ Jesus, Lord? Through repentance and faith. And how do you walk on in the Christian walk? Through repentance and faith. Um, okay, Lord, I'm trusting too much in myself. I repent of trusting myself. Faith, I put my trust in you. Uh, Lord, I... Um, you know, struggle with fear because I think that my life depends on my performance and my ability to control everything. So I repent of trying to control everything in my life and I put my trust in you that you are in control of my life. Lord, I tend to struggle with lies because I care too much what people think about me. So I, I want to sort of put my best foot forward and say things that I think that they were like. So Lord, I repent of, of fearing man 
and I put my faith in you, and I trust in, in you. And, and, and that's how, you know, the way that you got born again is the same way. It's the steps of repentance and faith by which you grow in the Christian faith. As you walk, the way in is the way on. Okay? As you receive Christ Jesus as Lord through believing, repenting and believing the gospel, so walk in him by repenting and believing the gospel. You, you can try and grow in other ways. The Pharisees did. But that's the point. You'll become a Pharisee. If you grow in, Christian, in Christianity, in Christian maturity, with anything other than the gospel, you'll become a Pharisee. It's really as simple as that. And then he says, rooted and built up in him. Now, he uses metaphors here. When, when he uses the metaphor rooted, what kind of a metaphor is it? Can't you? Plant or agricultural, you know? Sort of a growth plant metaphor. So um, a seed is planted. So that tells us the gospel is a living seed that gets planted in our hearts and then it germinates and produces roots. And the growth that it produces is an organic growth. Okay? But then Paul confuses us completely because he says, not only rooted, but he says, and built up in him. What's the metaphor underlying being built up? A construction metaphor, right? <laughs> Which is something completely different. Where, where the, 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 the agricultural metaphor is like organic growth, the construction metaphor is mechanic growth. You know, where, where, the, where, the, where the, 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 the agricultural metaphor is um, continuous organic growth, the, the construction metaphor is like discrete mechanic growth, you know, brick upon brick upon brick, line upon line, wall upon wall. Both of them sort of describe, in a sense, our Christianity, how we grow as Christians. The, the interesting thing is, notice, well, you can't really see it here, but and you're going to have to trust me. The, the Greek basically says, if I had to translate it very literally, and you'll see, and that's, uh, you'll see by how it sounds that that's why the translators didn't do it. Having been rooted in him and being continuously built up in him. That's literally what it says. So once again, the one is past completed tense, and the other one is present continuous tense. So as you are rooted in him, the gospel, through the gospel, so you must also be built up in him. Okay? And, and I think about it a little bit like light. You know, light also has this contradictory sense of, on the one hand, light is a continuous wave, but on the other hand, light is also discrete particles and and you can empirically measure both and it's contradictory because it cannot something cannot be continuous and discrete at the same time it's not logical <laughs> and yet it's true and 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 what god is saying what, what paul is saying is that our growth in the kingdom is is like that it's it's both continuously organic and sort of mechanically discrete okay and then he says and established in the faith in other words um once again Established um, is, is um, being established in the present continuous in the faith. So, so this gospel is received by faith. That, that's what it tells us about the gospel. The gospel is not only a seed that grows in us. It's not only us being built up. And, and notice it's not us building. We are being built. Okay? But it's also something that by faith, we receive, and that we established in and grow in. And then it's as you were taught. So the gospel is a teaching. The gospel has content. Okay, it's a message. 
with content and teaching. And then it goes on abounding in thanksgiving. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back to, to that in a moment. Then in verse 8, he talks about what the gospel is not. Uh, and in a sense, where the gospel comes from. So I'm just going to read that verse again. And then I want you to get, turn to each other again and, and, and just discuss it quickly in two minutes. See to it that no one take you, takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to, and notice the three according to's here, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Okay, quickly turn to one another in two minutes. Discuss that and what you see about the gospel in that. What, what Paul is saying here is that if you don't have the gospel to guide your life, if you're not walking according to the gospel, and the gospel was... Uh, his, his sort of life philosophy, if you can call it that, the, the way in which you should walk, you are going to walk according to something else. You're going to walk according to something. You're going to live your life according to something. And if it's not the gospel, then it's going to be something else, some other philosophy or empty deceit. Okay? So you're already walking according to something. Everyone in the world is already walking according to something. And what he's saying is that we as Christians should walk according to the gospel. And if we don't, or to the extent that we don't, we're walking according to something else. Okay? Now, the sources, I mean, where can you get something, sort of a life philosophy to, to walk according to? And, you know, you only have a few options. One option is observation. You can sort of check out, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with this. You can sort of... L- observe what things are like and through wisdom sort of generalize and say, okay, these are the life principles that you can live according to. And the book of Proverbs does that. And in fact, the, the wisdom ju- uh, literature in general does that. So that's, that's quite fine to do that. So observation, look at what the, uh, the, the, the um, world is like and, and live according to, to that. Um, you know, you, you might say, well, you know, people who constantly lie, eventually no one trusts them. So that's not a good way to live. Observation. Another way is speculation. You can sort of speculate about, you know, what things are like. And especially when it comes to things that you cannot see. Things like love. Things like the spiritual realm and the supernatural. Then you have to speculate. And there are many guys who speculate. There are many philosophers who speculate uh, like that. Um, And the, the third option is revelation. When what you cannot see is revealed to you from, from the outside. And that's what God does for us in Scripture. And in Christ. Now, notice he says that the two options, the three options are uh, noted by the three according to's. Human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, or according to Christ. Those are your three options. Now, human tradition, tradition is what's passed on from generation. So, human tradition is saying there's a human source. Okay, if humans are the physical part of, of creation. Or elemental spirits of this world, you know, I was a supernatural, um, unseen, spiritual origin. But what do human beings and the elemental forces of this world have in common? They created exactly. So they two parts to different parts of creation. The one is the visible creation, the other one's the invisible creation. What else do they have in common? They are not God, yes. God is the creator and creation. Fallen, exactly. (laughs) Human beings and demonic spirits are all fallen. So 
Your option is you can go to the fallen, either seen or unseen parts of creation, and get your life philosophy there. Or you can go to Christ. Christ is the only part of creation that is not fallen. So God, when he speaks to us, because we're creatures, he has to speak through creation. Through physical words, through physical images. That's why even you know, when he, when he, when he uh, wanted to write something, uh, when, when he wanted to communicate to us, he gave us a Bible, a physical book. Okay? Now, God is so glorious, God is so amazing that, you know, he's like the sun on a, on, at noonday during the summer. If you try and look straight at the sun at noonday during summer, you'll damage your eyes. The sun is just too glorious for you to look at. It'll literally burn your retina and damage your, your, your retina. You cannot look at the sun without a filter. And Jesus came in human form. He became part of creation. He is basically, he said, I'm going to put God in filtered form so that you can look at his glory and not be destroyed by it. And in other words, let me put it this way. Christ and scripture, the gospel tradition that we receive from Christ, is the only, one guy once said, you, you, we cannot look at the world like a, like a fish tank. Because we're the fish in the tank. So we, we cannot look at it objectively, um, you know, uh, and see it as it is. Because we cannot see it from the outside objectively. We're looking at it from the inside. We're the fish in the tank. Okay? And Jesus and the gospel are the only things that come from outside the tank. And that give us the external objective view of what the world is really like and what we are really like. And how we should really live and walk. Okay, so that's one of the things that makes the, the gospel so amazing is the fact that, that it comes, I mean, th there's no other message that, like the gospel, comes from outside creation. Everything else comes from inside creation, either visible creation, human tradition, or invisible creation, demonic spirits. The gospel is the only thing that comes from outside of creation. It's the only thing that comes from outside the fish tank, as it were. And that's why it says, see to it. Now, that's also the reason why it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. In other words, any other life philosophy will eventually lead to bondage and captivity. If you walk in it, if you follow uh, that, that way of life, you will eventually be a captive you will eventually be in bondage. The gospel is the only thing that you can submit to that will actually set you free. <laughs> it's the only loss of freedom that will actually set you free, <laughs> if you can believe that. But notice what Paul says. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive. In other words, we must take responsibility for this. As Christians, this is not just automatic. It's not just, oh, I've believed the gospel, therefore I will automatically walk in the freedom that the gospel brings. No. If you think, I receive the gospel, but I'll walk in something else, you will be led captive. You will experience captivity and bondage. We must intentionally say, 
I received Christ Jesus as Lord through the gospel, and I will continue to walk in it and, and experience its freedom. And then finally, it says, For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So in him, and um, we... We have a, a need, and, and, and sometimes it's stereotypically referred to as sort of a God-shaped hole inside of us. And we know by experience, especially as you become older, I mean, I'm on the wrong side of 40. There are like a, few, a handful of us in here who are on the wrong side of 40. And as you become older, you realize that you, you, you try, you feel that emptiness on the inside, and you try to fill it with all kinds of stuff. You try and fill it with money, you try and fill it with success, you try and fill it with you know, sex, you try and fill it with relationships, you try and fill it with whatever. And, and eventually, by experience, you realize none of those things work. None of those things work. Uh, I think it was Jim Carrey who said, I wish everyone could have an opportunity to be rich and famous so that they could discover for themselves that being rich and famous doesn't make you happy. <laughs> But we try, but eventually we realize it doesn't fill it. There's a God-shaped hole inside of us that is so big that God, only God himself can fill it. And that's what this verse is referring to. In a sense, it's saying that in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells, and in him we can be filled. We can experience fullness. In other words, we can go on trying to fill our hearts, fill our lives with all kinds of other stuff, Things other than the gospel. Things other than Christ. And we will experience emptiness for the rest of our lives. In fact, unless we fill ourselves with Christ and the gospel, we will experience emptiness for the rest of eternity. You'll always have that sense, that feeling of being empty. Now, Jesus has the fullness of God. And the gospel, and what this is saying is, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, okay? And you have been filled in him. In other words, the gospel, when we receive the gospel, when we believe the gospel, when we walk in the faith, it makes what is true of Jesus true of us. That's the great exchange. That's how the gospel works. We are guilty. Jesus takes our punishment and we receive his freedom. We, we, we are broken. Jesus takes our brokenness and he gives us his wholeness. We are anxious. Jesus takes our anxiety and he gives us his peace. We are, I mean, you name it, fill in the blank. And what is true of Jesus becomes true of us. Jesus is innocent. He takes our guilt and we are guilty, but we receive his verdict of innocence. We are empty, Jesus empties himself, and he gives his fullness to us. And in him we are then full. Okay? So we experience the fullness of God. And then if we just go back, it says, abounding, the, the, the NIV says, overflowing in thankfulness. Can I ask, Mizen, can you come, quickly come and help me here? 
Okay? So often we, <laughs> we go to God and we say, Lord, fill me. And, 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 and we go for a while and he fills. And, and then we like pour ourselves out, you know, and it's like, whoa, you know, and, that, and then you pour out more and eventually you feel empty. And then you go back to God again and it's like, Lord, fill me up again. And the process sort of repeats itself. But what God wants us to do is to live like this. That's how God wants us to live. Constant. Thank you. Thank you, Mason. <laughs> God wants us to live in a way where we're constantly so tapped into. We, we're in Him, so we're constantly receiving His fullness. And His fullness is overflowing from our lives. We're not, we're not living from being filled and then poured out, being filled and then poured out. But we're constantly experiencing His fullness and the overflowing that comes from His fullness. And what Paul is saying is when you're filled with Christ and the gospel, what overflows from your life is what? Overflowing in thanksgiving. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. One of the surest signs that you not only received Christ Jesus as Lord, but that you're walking in Him and you're constantly being filled with Him and experiencing the fullness of Him is that your life is overflowing with thankfulness. Gratitude. You have a constant attitude of gratitude. Because you know that no matter what goes wrong in your life, the most important things are going to be right. No matter what goes wrong in your story, it's going to have a happy ending because you're part of the gospel story. No matter who has rejected you, you're accepted by the one who matters most. No matter who is against you, the one who is for you and in you is greater than those who are against you. And for that, you're constantly overflowing with thankfulness, gratitude. And then um, finally and in closing... Um, he says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. The word Christ uh, is the, the Greek version of, of the Hebrew Mashiach, Messiah, which means anointed king. And the way that Jesus pours out the, the, the bulk and the essence of his fullness into us is through his Holy Spirit. He is the anointed one who anoints us. We said that through the gospel and through us um, being in him, which is what the gospel makes us, it makes us to be in him. That the, the phrase in him actually, if you, if you look carefully, you'll see um, it's repeated about four times. Um, where is it? In him. So walk in him. Um, for in him is the fullness of deity uh, filled in him. He is the anointed one. He is the one who has the Spirit. And He is the one who then fills us with the Spirit. What is true of Him becomes true of us through the Gospel. And that's how we experience His fullness. And the Holy Spirit is the living water that quenches our deepest thirst. Okay? So, what I want, what I want us to do um, tonight, I mean, we so often... we. We, we, we think, oh, you know, um, we, we know that what we're experiencing is not 
what we ought to be experiencing as Christians. We feel like what is true of Jesus isn't always true of me. Not fully. And we think, oh, you know, I just mustn't let other people find out, you know. Ooh, you know, if other Christians find out, then they're going to sort of think, what's wrong with you, you know? <laughs> but is that the way you went into the kingdom? No, the way you got into the kingdom is by exactly admitting, well, everything that should be true of me isn't true of me. Okay? And then we sometimes think not only that I must hide it, you know, wear my fig leaves and all that, but I must try harder. I must try harder. And what, what Paul is saying here is, no, it's, it's not about trying harder, it's about trusting more. Just like you could not save yourself in the beginning, so you cannot save yourself now. Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord by grace, so you've got to walk in Him by grace. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.